sure glad I'm back. This is all right. I love it, man. Okay, so let's get started here. Um, I want to thank Dr. Michael Proud and uh, Larry Walker for preaching for me the last couple of weeks. Really, really appreciate that very, very much. Um, now, um, I understand that they got you out early. Yeah, it ain't going to happen today, that's for sure. I'm back, okay? <laughs> uh, we did get out early in the first service. It's hard to believe, but we're going to try. <laughs> the clock back there says it's 1023 anyway, so we got plenty of time. <laughs> so we're going 1023. Oh, it's 1123. Yeah, okay, I got you. Okay. So anyway, it was a wonderful time. We had a wonderful vacation. So I'll just share a little bit with you as I, I do. I had a great time with my wife, Alicia. Um, we went to a conference, a pastor's forum at Ethnos 360, formerly New Tribes Mission. Um, and uh, we were one of 16 couples, pastors from across the United States that were invited to come. It was in Sanford, Florida, which is northeast of uh, Orlando, about 30 miles or so. And so this is a picture of Alicia and I. And over my shoulder, my left shoulder, is the IRA Bible. And um, that is the Bible that my aunt worked on to get translated. My Aunt Maxine, 17, when she went to the mission field with New Tribes Mission. Uh, she's 91 now, I believe, and still translating. Um, has done the translation for the Jesus film in their language, in the IRA language. But it was quite a privilege to be there and to see this is what she worked on all those years. Um, well, it's moving, to be honest. Uh, heritage that, that I have through my aunt. Um, so we had lots of different sessions. We got to meet people from California, from Oregon, from Washington, from Pennsylvania, from Michigan, from Missouri. Um, all over the United States came. And so as we're meeting with them and we're eating with them uh, in, in these meetings, in these forums, uh, I, I, you know me, I like to ask questions of people. And so um, the last day we were eating lunch, our last final thing, and James was sitting across the table for us. He's from Grants Pass, Oregon. And so I asked if he knew where Brookings was, and Brookings was uh, Liz and Lowell Lester from our church lived for years. Um, and he, I said, so James, he's been at this church 31 years. He's a little bit younger than me. He's been there 31 years. And I said, uh, where did you grow up? And he said, Crescent City, California. I said, Crescent City, California? Do you know Gordy Broadbent? He goes, yeah, I went to school with him. His dad was my pastor. Gordy Broadbent was on fourth floor of Coblitzen Hall, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago with me. 1974 to 1977. Haven't hit, didn't know where he's at. He's pastoring in Oregon somewhere. That's what happens when you ask questions. Keep asking those questions of people. Who do you know? It was just, it was phenomenal. Coos Bay, they knew where Coos Bay, Aaron and Rose here being in Coos Bay all those years. Um, it was so cool just to do that. And then Alicia was finishing up after that lunch. She went to one of the workers. There was food service people that were feeding us. Man, they fed us really, 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 really good. Um, and so she started talking with her, Linda, is it her name? And so she asked her, you know, how she was involved in New Tribes and everything. And she said that they had been in Bolivia or they had worked with my Aunt Maxine as a language consultant with her. Thank you, Lord. It just, those are the type of things we ran into all, all the time we were there. First night, we meet somebody who grew up in Dallas, Oregon. Dallas is where Tim English, our first associate pastor, lives now, grew up. Talking, you know, do you know him? So 
also served with them. Thursday night, we finished, uh, went to the airport, got a rental car, and because um, we were staying for a few more days. And uh, so we eat with Dennis Cress, who used to go to our church here. And we had a wonderful time with him and being with he and his son. Uh, fun to be with them. And then um, on Friday and Saturday, we went to the beach. And uh, everybody's asked, how come you don't have a tan? And the main reason is because I wore a big floppy hat and I put sunscreen on because I'd had skin cancer. Which kind of, you know, I had many years in the sun as a golfer and as a caddy. And uh, it caught up with me. So uh, I, we protect ourselves really, really well. Um, but, but we're kind of old. So this is the best picture I have of us at the beach because we didn't take any pictures of ourselves at the beach. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> So here we're eating. This this is a restaurant that uh, is is on the on an inlet right there. We have some good food there, and uh, the beach is really fun. New Smyrna Beach. It's one of those hard beaches where people are riding e-bikes and they park their cars on it and everything like that. And uh, I, we didn't park our car on it because it cost twenty dollars, and I can walk three blocks. It's not not hard to do, right? But I did look like a tourista and a backpack on. You know, we got bag carrying this. Everybody else has a wagon. They get a wagon with, you know, all their stuff in it, you know, their umbrellas and their chairs. We don't have any of that because we traveled there and you couldn't put that on the airplane, right? You couldn't put it in your suitcase. So, But it was a really fun time. You could go out 30, 40 yards and it didn't drop off. The water was warm. It was nice. It made me feel jealous, actually. I wish it could have been there. Yeah, I wish it could have been there, too. But you can go. Just fly into Orlando. Um, so then uh, Sunday, we got up and we went to church. That's what people and believers should do on Sunday or Saturday night. Go there. 8.20 service. I don't know what's wrong with 8.15, but 8.20 works for them at this church. Uh, wonderful service. Um, people greeted us well coming in. Somebody even sat with us. Um, Griggs and Alice were their name from northwest Georgia. And they uh, vacation or they winter down there. They were very nice, and so um, we got up to leave, and just as a point of contact, um, nobody talked to us. I'm not blaming the church. I'm giving this to us. When you get up to leave and guests are here, please talk with them. Because that's about the loneliest moment. It's really the, and the most important moment. Walk them out. Walk them out. Okay, got it? I know I'm pushing a little hard here, okay? But it's really, really important to let those people know that, yes, that you're valuable, you're important to us. It's not just, well, we, we set our height to you, but we'll at least walk you to the door. And if you want, you go out to eat, you can always invite them to go to eat with you, too. <laughs> you do that. But it was a wonderful service. Then we went to the Jesus Revolution movie. You see that? You've probably heard about that, read about that. Um, you know, I grew up young young guy in the 670s there, and knowing what happened now with Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel, uh, Love Song, one of my one of my favorite groups, and my brother and sister and I had a little trio we sang, uh, two and song, if you remember that song, um, wonderful movie, it really helps you understand what happened in the 70s in the Jesus, the Jesus movement, and uh, I listened to a couple of interviews with Chuck Gerard this week, he was in Love Song, came to Christ just right before that. Singers, it's a wonderful album. Look up the song "Slow Down." Maybe, maybe the best song ever written. So, so um, rhythmically appropriate to singing about slow down. 
that afternoon, I called um, two people on the phone. One is Anna Foster. Anna Foster came out of my church in Denver, in Inglewood, um, and I didn't realize that. Her parents were missionaries with my Aunt Maxine in Bolivia, and she went back, and as a single woman for 46 years, she served the Lord in Bolivia. And I didn't realize she came out of our church. I thought that they just served together, but she came out of our church during the 60s. And then I called Allison C. And Allison C. is a cousin of John and Jan or Janice Schmidt, who comes to church here. And she has been serving. They have been with Youth Tribe since 1987 and serving. And they're in their retirement. They serve in their, they have a retirement home and duplexes there at Youth Tribes at Mustard 60 for retired missionaries. And so she serves there. She served there with her husband since 1991, serving the missionaries that have served. It was just, it was just beautiful conversation. Uh, the next day, Monday, we went to the Kennedy Space Center. Anybody been to the Kennedy Space Center? That's well worth the journey. Um, it was a great time. Here I am taking off and uh, getting that thing up in the air. Um, really, really enjoyed that a lot. Went through the uh, space shuttle uh, simulator. It takes you in like a like you're actually going up. You go like that. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you got to make the noise too. It's no, no good if you don't make the noise. Okay. Um, but we did that on Monday, and um, so then we went that night. We spent the night with Roger and Catherine Kane, who used to go to church here, and they were very kind to put us up for that night. And then on Tuesday, we flew home, and it was a lot warmer in Florida than it is in Colorado, just so you know, just in case you want to know, a lot, a lot warmer. But a wonderful trip. Thank you for providing it. Thanks for providing vacation for us as staff. It means a lot to us. Um, I'm ready to go on vacation. I'll go tomorrow. As Ray said, why do I have to wait so long? <laughs> That's such a good comment. Why wait so long? Just get going. So a wonderful time. We've been talking about this, going through. We've been talking about Lent, or as I call it, 40 days of focus. 40 days of focus on Jesus Christ so that when we get to Easter, Celebration Sunday, we, have, we just don't wake up and go, oh, yeah, where's my nice new dress? Where's my nice new shoes? No, we have been preparing to celebrate what Jesus did for us in this We've used the Easter Code book to help us out to be able to do that. There's, as Pastor Elisha said, there's still some books that are out there. Grab one. It's not too late to start. Do each day. Very, very helpful to you. But, but I want to talk about this. My friend says this. Gary Hogue up in Denver says this. He says, Lent, or 40 days of focus, is there's three specific things we can concentrate on. One would be prayer, would be fasting, and giving. The time to really concentrate on those things. So as I was thinking about those things, I was thinking about prayer. And uh, to stretch ourselves in prayer, how do we how do we do that? Um, you know, prayer is really really important to me. Every day I, I, I get my list out and I pray through the. I don't every day, but I, days I pray through the, the body here and other missionaries and everybody, um, other people in my life. Um, it's really important. You're on my list. So I don't miss. But it's really hard to get my prayer time in vacation. Because on vacation, I can sleep in till 7 o'clock. I can't do it any other time. But on vacation, for some reason, God allows me to sleep in till that time. And knowing that, you know, this week I had to be, you know, I had to be somewhere at 9 o'clock in the morning. It takes me about an hour and 15 minutes to get through my prayer time. Um, hard to get it all done. 
matter of fact, on Monday, we went to Katie Kennedy Space Center. I could have prayed driving down there. It was about an hour and 15 minutes away. Totally forgot. I totally forgot about praying until about 6 o'clock at night. I don't think that's ever happened. It's like, I didn't pray today. I said, totally, I didn't pray today. So it was 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I my prayer list. I prayed. Wasn't easy. <laughs> Not a regular time to be heavy prayer time. But it worked. On vacation, sometimes it takes me three times, four times to get my get it all done. That's really important. What can you do to improve your prayer life during this time of 40 days of prayer? One thing I'm trying to do, you know I do this. If I have your if I have your birthday anniversary, I text you, call you maybe, wish you a happy birthday or anniversary. Do that for everybody I have a, 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 a birthday for, an anniversary. Um, been doing that for 15, 18 years, 21 years. But it dawned on me this year, you know, I could pray for you when I send you a greeting. That way you get prayed for the week and then you'd get prayed another time whenever you have a birthday. But it only took me 21 years to think of that. But God showed that to me. That's just something I could do to add to what I'm doing in my prayer life. Because I needed something more to be able to add to that. Fasting. How many of you like to fast? That's what I thought. I don't like it either. It's really hard. I do it on occasion. I've done the 30-hour fast, World Vision, you know, those types of things. So I'm trying to, you know, trying to think in my mind, what, what can I give up? And here's, here's, why you, here's why you do it during Lent, okay? You don't do it just to do it. You do this. You sacrifice something so you can better understand the sacrifice Jesus made for us. That's why you do it. You give up something that, that, that brings you to help you understand what Jesus suffered for us. And I know, you, you know, there are lots of things we can fast from, but for me, it's just been soda, soda pop. I don't drink a lot, maybe three or four a week. That may be a lot to some of you, but not a lot to me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm about halfway through. You know what? Man, it's just, man, it's really hard to go to Texas Roadhouse and not have a root beer. I mean, raspberry tea worked. But it's even that little thing. Maybe not for you. you. You have your things, right? But I'm trying to understand a little bit. It's just a little bit. It's very small. I'm just trying to understand just a little bit of what Jesus went through for me by giving up something to be able to focus in on him. The third thing, giving. While I was on vacation, um, I read a book. And I... I been on lots of vacations, and I've started lots of books, but I don't normally finish them on vacation. But I actually finished one on vacation because it's so good. And it's this book called Unoffended. It's by Brent Hansen. He's a DJ on the Way FM 90.9. Um, I really like him a lot. He's funny. He's piercing. Uh, and I've, I've heard him talk about this book. And so I ordered it, and I read it all the way through. 
Here's a crazy question. What if we decided not to be offended? I wrote it down here. Let me just read it. What if we were able to scroll, chat, watch, and respond without anger? What if we used the anger we spend thinking about how right we are for something more relaxing? Brent Hansen turns our assumptions upside down, takes us straight back to the Bible, and shows us why, number one, we need to stop making rules for when it's okay to harbor anger. Two, why the key to freedom isn't about venting or suppressing anger, it's about forgiveness. Three, why, can, why we can address injustices in life better without anger. And four, why letting go of our right to be offended is one of the most simplifying, refreshing, stress-relieving, life-giving things we can do. Brant shows us how to release the burden of righteous anger so we can experience the joy of gratitude. I am working on giving myself and others more forgiveness and grace and less anger and judgment. Amen. You know what? It's hard. I woke up to two texts this morning that I could have been taken offense to. I don't know the motives that they're coming from. I could be totally reading things wrong. But I just chose, I'm not going to be offended. Now, he doesn't say we don't have biblical stands. He's not saying that at all. He's just saying, in the course of life, we need to learn how to respond better to the things that happen to us. And I know I need to do that. Matter of fact, I need to do it for myself. And really be hard on us. I know none of you have this problem. I'm so glad it's only me. But can I be unoffendable about something? When that guy cuts you off driving, you know, why do I say, that's stupid? What are you doing that for? I know you'd never do that. But I do. But why do I do that? What good does that do? Just honestly, what good does that do? It just riles me up. Why have I had to take blood pressure medicine sometimes, right? Because I get offended by that. What if I just go, you know, maybe the guy really does need to get over because he needs to get to the hospital for something. I know that's not the case, of course. But just saying, okay? This book is really easy to read because he's hilarious. He's funny. But it's really So that's what I'm trying to give during this time. Is more grace, more forgiveness, less judgment. Myself, y'all, and the people that are around me. And see what God does for me. Okay, let's get to the Easter code now. Have I stepped on anybody's toes enough so far? telling you, I'm just telling you what I'm working on during this time. I'm praying, fasting, sacrifice, and giving. Because I really want to get closer to Jesus. I really want to know him. It's so hard. And I want to know his love. I'm so rules-oriented. I'm very black and white. You probably know that by now. <laughs> but I need to understand his love for me, too, while I'm in the midst of doing these things. So we're going to talk about the Easter Code. 
This is what I want you to do. We're going to take a moment to pray right here. I'm not done yet, okay? Didn't think you were getting out this early. I want you to pray that as I go through, I'm going to take us through the, the, the various days of this book, and I'm going to do it really quickly. I want you to pray right now. God, show me one thing that I need to hang on to this week, that I need to put into practice this week. God, show me one thing, and you probably want, might want to write this down because you might forget it. It happens to us. Give me one thing from all this I'm going to give you, 20 days worth or whatever it is. One thing you want me to hold on to. started on Ash Wednesday 2.22. The code word was done. I really like this one, Greg. He talks about salvation is not spelled do, but done. Such a good one. What Jesus Christ has done for us. He talks about salvation comes from the Lord. It's His work that brings us to Him. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? Ephesians 2.8 and 9. I loved what one pastor just a while ago, I heard him say, he quoted a verse and he goes, that's about seven different versions that I've memorized it in my lifetime. King James, New International, New Infant, you know, all those different versions we've had. But that's what it is. It's God's work. We aren't running toward him, folks. We were running away from him. We were estranged from him. He reached down, reached his hand and said, I want you. I choose you. And we just simply respond work of salvation. We went to day, day um, the second day, Thursday, the code word was change. He talks about repentance. He says repentance um, was a message of the prophets, it was a message of John the Baptist, it was a message of Jesus, and it was a message of the early church and Peter. What he say in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It was their message, but they communicated he goes on to say, very well done, as a former pastor who wrote this book. He says, repentance is not being sorry for our sin. It's not remorse, young, rich young ruler. It's not regret, Pilate. It's not reform, Judas. Repentance is a change of mind, then the will, and then a change of action. But we recognize, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm in sin, and I need to move out of that. So I need to move my will. I need to say... This is what I need to do, and then I'm going to change my action because I've had this change of mind. You've pointed out what I need to do and where to go. This is what I need to do, and I'm going to do it. That was good. And he goes on to say this. He says, I can't excuse or minimize myself. How easy it is for us to do that. That's all right. I didn't. 
probe. Speaking of that, this is the next thing. Probe. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Know my heart. Test me and try me. Know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me. See if there's any offensive way, another version says. And lead me in the way everlasting. Probe. probably don't either. And he kind of just gets in there and he goes, hey, um, what about, what about, hmm. he talks about the prodigal son. Johnny mentioned it in our study in our little Bible group on, on Thursday mornings, a statement that hit him and hit me too. He says the prodigal son he was broke and broken. He was broke money-wise, but he was broken in heart. And so what did he do? He had a change of mind. He had a change of will. And what did he do? Course of action. He went back to his father. That's repentance. He back, went back where he needed to be. And he says in his prayer, Mr. Hawkins, Dr. Hawkins writes, Lord, I am willing to be made I came back rested, but not refreshed. Because I knew there were some pretty big things. One of them was I had a memorial service yesterday. Second vacation in a row, I've come back and have to deal with death. That's not the way you want to come back from vacation. What if it's a slight ache or a measly? And so I didn't take it very well. And I told, I don't know if it was Wednesday night men's group or Thursday morning, said, I know what I need to do, but I don't want to do it. Anybody identify with that ever? <laughs> I know what I need to do, but I, I, I really don't want to change my attitude about it. Well, it's changed since then. Thank you, Lord. I really struggle. The guys know it. God did his work. We had a service here yesterday. And 220 people here. One of the largest groups we've had. And um, for a family member, somebody who comes to our church, or a family member, I didn't know the gentleman, but he knew lots of people. This place was packed. Matter of fact, I knew six people that were here. Saturday with Ham. This is 225. The goodness of God leads to repentance, or the kindness of God leads to repentance, as another version said. His prayer says, put your hand in his hand today. Lead me in the way I should go. You know, he wants to help us, but just say, this is what go on. Monday 227 was condescension. Not condescension, but condescension. It's kind of a bigger word than I know what it means. I think it means this. It means he just kind of, he condescended toward us. He came toward us. And he 
says that in it. Jesus came down to where we are. Go to the next one. Go to the next slide. There we go. Jesus came down to where we are so that we could one day go to where he is. He humbled himself. He didn't have to leave glory. He came down. He humbled himself. He became flesh. Philippians chapter 2. He became flesh and gave his life say in John chapter 1, the Word became and the Word, the Word was in the beginning was the Word the Word was with God and the Word was God and the, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth that's what He did for us that's what He did for you, that's what He did for me humbled Himself and came down so that we could have a relationship with Him so that we could someday go Next day was Tuesday and it was sacrifice. He talks about how in, in the garden everything was perfect. And then we sinned. And then we knew we'd have no clothes on. And what did God do? Sacrificed an animal. The first picture of what Jesus Christ is going to do for us. And he covered them up. It was a sacrifice that was made for them as God did this for Adam said this, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Hebrews 9.22 use that verse a lot and we celebrate the Lord's Supper as we did as we did last week. Lord, I come to you admitting that I can do nothing in and of myself to cleanse my sin. But you can. You can. Only His blood can cleanse you of your sin and you can be forgiven of your sin. Wednesday was picture. That was the code word, picture. He talks about the Old Testament conceals Christ and the New Testament reveals Christ. In Genesis chapter 22, you know the story probably fairly well. God speaks to Abraham and he says, take your son, your only son. He uses that phrase about three times in there, very, very specific. Your son, your only son. And he says, take him and I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham says, yes, that's what I'll do. They load up the wood. They go to Mount Moriah. They travel three days to get to Mount Moriah. Gets and son gets there, probably a teenager somewhere in there, and the son's carrying the wood. And he says, "He says, Dad, here's the wood for the fire, but where's the sacrifice?" And Abraham says, "The Lord will provide." And what did he do? He provided. There, caught in the thicket, caught in the bush, is a ram, is a lamb. He sacrifices that lamb as a picture, a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do for us. Because when John saw Jesus in John chapter one twenty nine, it says. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who he is. And now Genesis 22 pictures, foreshadows what Jesus Christ is going to do for us. The spotless Lamb of God who gave his life for us so that we could have forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's why Jesus shed his blood for us. Lord, what you promise, you are faithful to provide. If he says it in his word, then that's going to be the way it is. The next day, Thursday, was freedom. He talks about the Passover. A Passover now represents, we go back, Exodus chapter 12, we go back and we recognize that the Passover is a picture of them being saved from death and also deliverance from Egypt. Anybody remember the thing called the Red Sea Rules? A little book we read about five years ago. That's another great book to pick up, my friends, if you don't have that book. Exodus 14, 15, 13, 14, and 15, great book.
Passover. But the Passover represents the fact that he provided for them and he delivered them. What did he do? He said, take that lamb, sacrifice that lamb, and spread the blood on the doorposts of your homes. And I will pass over. Judgment is coming to the Egyptians because they won't let the people go. And God says, this is my last one. We've spoken to him enough. And therefore, this is what's going to happen. And what happened to all the Israelites? Everybody's firstborn son was saved. And to those who didn't put blood on their doorposts, judgment came to their house that night. The Passover now represents, takes us back to that provision from death and deliverance from Egypt that God made the freedom See, the blood of Jesus Christ will never lose its power. I could sing that song for you, many of you know it, Andre Crouch, many years ago. Never lose its power. Going on, Friday is gate. I think I missed this one, Dave, the first service, didn't I? <laughs> I did the next day, and Dave goes, gate! Well, I think it was Dave that said that. I don't know. I missed it. But many psalms point to the coming of the Messiah. And in, in Psalm t- chapter 24, it says, Who might ascend my holy hill? He's talking about going to the temples. They were going to worship. And he's saying, Who can do that? And he says, Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. And as the author says, Well, that leaves me out. <laughs> you too? We understand that. And then he goes on to say this. Such a good picture. He said, Jesus came, condescended. Jesus came, and he got his hands dirty, and his heart became impure for us. He didn't sin, but he took on our impurity in his heart for our sake. That's such a good picture. So that we could have clean hands and a pure heart to go and to worship him and someday to be with him. He's the gate. Open wide the gate of your heart today. Come in. Come in today. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Some of you might remember that old kind of hymn we used to sing. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Anybody remember that one? Yeah, a number of you do. Jesus is not a part of your life today. Ready? Come in. Gotta say yes to him. Gotta say yes. sheep. That's what I preached on yesterday, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leaves me beside the quiet waters. Restores my soul. Leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Sheep. He took your sin so you today can take on his righteousness. That's what he did on the cross for us took our sin so that we could take on his righteousness and have this relationship with him. You know, this sheep can't be trained. They're directionless and they're defenseless and they're not prepared for flight or fight, the author says. (laughs) They're dumb. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's just how they are. And they need a shepherd. That's why the Lord can give us this picture. The Lord is my shepherd. We are like that. We need a shepherd to guide us and to help us. That is what he's done. And so the prayer at the end, Lord, why don't you read it with me? I'm bogging a little bit here. Lord, 
You are my shepherd. Lead me today in the way you would have me go. I will follow Will you? Will I? I, I got a lot, of, a lot of ways I know which way to go. They're really plain right here. Questions will be deepened. They're good for us. They're the best for us. They will, they will protect us. Like the rod and the staff protect the sheep. And we'll get his blessing. He'll lavish us with oil. He'll anoint our heads with oil. And we'll have his presence. Now, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And we'll have his presence someday in the future. sign Monday. Okay, so what I'm encouraging you to do, the, the code book, read this week. Next week I'll preach on those. And I won't have 20 of them. I'll only have six. That's five, but I make it six, okay? It'll be a little bit, little bit, maybe shorter next week. Oh, we still got time. It's only 11 o'clock. We're good. All right, sign. Really important. The virgin birth is a bedrock of his authority and our salvation. A little bit of theology for the virgin birth is the bedrock of his authority and salvation. Without the, without the virgin birth, we don't have Jesus. We just have another man. And there was a sign given 700 years before. And the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. It was a sign given for Jesus' birth. And it's the bedrock of, his, of who he is in our salvation. The Tuesday this week, Cook, the word Cook, talks about Mary and her importance to us. What? What? Oh my goodness. She's just, you think about that. This young teenage girl, angel coming and saying, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be with child by the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Think about how hard that prophesied that she would she would be hurting. And yeah, there she is at the cross, seeing her son. No one is Jesus, but still, it's her son. Imagine how hard that was. And it says that she gave birth, she laid the baby in the manger, Jesus in the manger. It says she pondered, she, she, she treasured up these things and she pondered them in her heart. Luke chapter 2. What did she ponder? Well, she pondered what the prophets said were going to happen. She's pondering what the angels just got through saying to her. She's also thinking about what the angel said to her nine months before. And then she's thinking about the shepherds who just came, and they're telling about they heard this angelic chorus telling them, you need to go to Bethlehem to see this child that's been born. She pondered those things. I think about 33 years of pondering those things for her. Amazing, amazing, obedient lady. What does it say of her? When the angel came to her, she said, may it be to me as you have said. I'll do. I'll follow you. Ordinary is the next day, Wednesday. Talking about Joseph. Just an ordinary man. Just an ordinary man. And yet he goes through this journey with her. Significant. You know what's significant about him too is there are no words, no recorded words of Joseph. He's not the father of Jesus. He raised him. 
mentored him. Maybe not the father, but there's no recorded word. But you know what? He was taken. When Joseph woke up from his dream, his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. What an just an ordinary man who was obedient to what God called him to do. That's so amazing to me. He did what God called him to do. When God said to him, hey, you need to get out of here. It's time to go to Egypt. What did he do? That night, he left for Egypt. God came to him and again and he said, now it's time to go to Galilee. It's time to go back home. What did he do? He went back home. Just an ordinary man who was obedient to what God had for him. Okay, where are we at here? The author says this, the legacy for this man was not found in what he said, it's found in what really matters, what he did. Thursday of this week, lost. One of the most quoted, misquoted verses the author says is Revelation 2.4, where it says that you have lost, people quote him and say you've lost your first love. He says, really, it says you've left your first love. ESV says abandon your first love. He's making a point here of this. He says this, go back to where you left him and you'll find him right there. You know, if you, if you, you, know, you feel distant from God, well, where did you leave him? And go back there. Where did the prodigal son find his father? Back right where he left him. That's where Jesus is for you today. If you've left him, go back. And he'll be there for you. Friday, up. During this intense struggle on the cross, Jesus spoke seven times. Matthew 27, 46, the author said, When the stranger says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew what it was like to be forsaken. The author says, In Galilee, his family forsook him. In Gethsemane, his disciples forsook him and they fled. And on the cross, God forsook him for a time. Notice the three G's in there. Good pastoral work. <laughs> Galilee, Gethsemane, Golgotha. Helps you to remember. It's significant. He knew what it was like to be forsaken. But what did he do when he was forsaken? He didn't get offended. <laughs> Reached out. Said, God, I need your help. I need your help. In Gethsemane, what did he say? And if there's any other way to let this cup pass through me, okay. But what? Not my will, but thy will be done. I'll do what you want me to do. I will follow your plan. Reach out. Some of you know what it's like to be might even happen to you, unfortunately, this week. If somebody, a friendship, something, abandonment happens to you. And I'm just telling you, in the midst of those struggles, those, those difficult times, reach out. Reach up to Him, just like Jesus. Jesus, stand on your promise that you'll never leave you and I'll forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 is found in the Old Testament too. You'll never leave. You're in a relationship with Jesus, He will never Saturday, menu. That would have been yesterday. <laughs> I know it's getting about, you know, lunchtime now, right? Oh, there's no time on the clock back there. I got I got all the time in the world now. <laughs> I'm almost done. Okay, we're, we're still doing good. He says this. When you look at your meal, let it remind you that life is filled with choices. Make sure you choose God's will over your own. His way, His will.
God's sake. probing to point out us what we need to work on so that we can work on it with your help.